Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. From Uptown Charlotte and the NASCAR Hall of Fame, it's once again our Wednesday edition of NASCAR America. The fans are able to come out and check out all of the great sights that are here in the Hall of Fame. And our superstar guest today, Denny Hamlin, the most recent winner in the Monster Energy Cup Series, signing autographs for his fans here at the Hall of Fame. fans enjoyed the burnout through one and two the most. That was impressive. I wish I had more tires. I could have made it a full lap. As far as I'm concerned, I think we should race here 10 times a year. And welcome into the great hall here in the NASCAR Hall of Fame alongside Kyle Petty, Denny Hamlin, Hall of Famer, Dale Jarrett. I'm Rick Allen. And we are in the great hall behind us. The Petty display is uh, on full display and we have quite a few fans that are hanging out here with us today as we talk with Denny Hamlin coming off the big win at New Hampshire Motor Speedway and first of all congratulations Denny was it one of those situations where it's oh finally we got that win you know not really because I mean we'd been close over the last few months we've been getting better but I never felt like we had one slip away. You know, it'd be one thing if it was like, you know, you're contending, 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 and then you had one, you know, two or three slip away, and you're like, all right, we finally got the win. You know, for me, it's just a culmination of getting better, and actually we took advantage of our first opportunity to win a race. So you've done this 30 times now. Uh, when you were <laughs> growing up, any idea that, hey, you'd be talking about 30 trophies that you've had in the Cup Series? Um, no, not at all. I mean, uh, you know, I'm just a short track guy, realistically, uh, that that just enjoys racing at NASCAR's top level. Um, it's fun for me to to be able to do this for a living. It's more than I ever dreamed it would be. Um, I, I feel like my rookie season was just, you know, a couple years ago. It's just crazy how, how time flies. But, uh, yeah, it's just been a great, uh, great career so far. You, you've been a contender since your rookie year. I mean, from the first time you climbed in one of these things, it was like Denny Hamlin. There's Denny Hamlin. Um, 30 wins. Do you remember the 30 or do you remember the ones that got away? Uh, I probably remember the ones that got away more so. I mean, everyone does, right? You know, it's all, you always think about the, your, your wins. You, if you're a poker player, you remember every bad beat you've ever had. <laughs> you don't remember when you, you know, rivered somebody. So it's just, uh, it's just part of uh, sports. You always think about those. Uh, but, hey, you know, it, no matter what, it, it all works out in the wash and, and you feel like you're even at the end. One of the great things about being here at the hall with Denny is we want you to be able to be involved in our discussion today. So if you have questions on social media, do hashtag Ask Denny, and we'll see if we can get some of your questions in during the show. But Denny, very interesting how you got into the ride that you're in now. When you were seven years old, I think you wrote a letter that said, I'm going to win the Daytona 500. Uh, it's going to be in this paint scheme and all these things. You made these predictions that have come true and a unique story in the fact that you also told Joe Gibbs Racing or Joe Gibbs that yeah. you're going to drive for him. How'd that come about? 
I, I'm a big wisher, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm a big dreamer, but uh, you know, I, I think you know when that letter came out uh, that I'd wrote when I was seven, uh, wanting to win the Daytona 500. I was thinking, you know, maybe that inspires some kid out there to set a goal and know that it can come true, no matter how high it or unachievable right. or unattainable you think it is, it can happen. So, um, you know, it's just been awesome that uh you know every goal i've put out there we were able to accomplish uh championship would be another one that i'd really like to do you have a like letter somewhere that says I'm <laughs> i don't at the time all i cared about was daytona 500 and apparently because it paid a million dollars but uh, it was just uh you know crazy that everything has happened the way it did i mean i actually was uh uh, with Dale Jarrett uh, when I met Joe for the first time. Uh, him, it was him and uh, Joe at a car dealership, and uh, they were sitting right beside each other, and at the time he just started the race team, and I was like, this is perfect. You know, <laughs> I, I'm going to drive for my favorite football coach uh, at the time, and, you know, I lived in Virginia, so the Redskins were our team, and, of course, I was a big, uh, big Dale Jarrett and uh, Joe Gibbs fan. Denny, uh, as race drivers, Every race means a lot. You want to win anywhere that you possibly can. But this weekend, you have an opportunity coming up at Indianapolis that uh, not a lot of drivers have done, uh, being a Daytona 500 champion and a Brickyard 400 champion. So are those things that you think about? Not that you can get more motivated, but I think certainly some venues do motivate you a little bit more. Absolutely. I mean, there's two major races we still are yet to win, uh, and that'd be the Brickyard 400 and the Coke 600. Uh, we've got our Southern 500. Uh, you know, we've got that Bristol night race, the Daytona 500. I, it is. It's one of those crown jewel moments that you want to have on your resume uh, when it's all said and done. So that's, uh, it, it's a huge motivator. I've, I've finished every position, but first at that racetrack <laughs> at Indy, I uh, would like to get it done this weekend. Yeah, I, I want to go back to your, to your letter, and you said something a minute ago. You said, I, you know, when the letter came out, I hope it motivates some child uh, to, to be focused. Were you focused from... The time you were seven or eight years old no I mean it was not like I want to play basketball I want to play football I want to be yeah. a fireman whatever were you focused and and as you came through the ranks you joke about that letter and say I want to win a million dollars and earlier you said I'm a short track racer when you were running those short tracks and running go-karts were you thinking yeah I'm going to Daytona <laughs> someday I'm going to Indy someday yeah so you know for me I I went through a phase so I went to my very first race when I was five years old and that's when I was like you know I want to be a NASCAR driver and then I kind of went through a, a stage from from about I was 10 to 12 where I tried other sports I tried basketball tried baseball and I just flat out wasn't as good in them as I was in racing and so I just stuck with it it's an amazing video you have you probably got it from my mom uh, but uh, I just have always and it ain't crazy that I've always been a purple and white number 11 it's, yeah it's you know throughout yeah. my career so it's been crazy uh, but yeah I just um, I just always wanted to do it, and then once I buckled down, when I was 12 years old, my my parents said, "All right, pick you got to pick one sport, and we're gonna work on that." And it was racing, and so you know, to them there was a lot worse things I could be doing. You know, I wasn't leaving the house, going here, getting in trouble, whatever. I was in the garage working on yeah. the race car or go kart, and so it was a way for me to stay focused. And and unfortunately, I, I didn't get to go to college. I, it's one kind of the regrets I have is like I didn't go to. I didn't get to go through the whole college experience and all that, and I probably wouldn't have been accepted anywhere anyway. But, um, but to me, it was just, uh, you know, racing was all I ever knew, and it will be until I retire.
You've gotten quite an education in what okay. you chose, yes. Yeah. haven't you? Yes. yes. Got a master's in that. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. So I'm a little bit biased in the sense that your basketball game's pretty good, and I have to say that because <laughs> he's the captain of the basketball team that I'm on. He picked me, chose me in the third round. But uh, your basketball game's good. Your golf game is good. You're the commissioner of the Golf Guys Tour yeah. and pretty much the ba- hoop group as well. <laughs> what is it about the other sports that you need in your life? The competition. Uh, so we only get to compete one day a week in racing. We do it on Sundays. To me, it's a way to keep that competition going throughout the entire week. And so I love the, the active part of it. I mean, we're all middle-aged men who That's uh, sweet enjoy com- say. I love being lumped <laughs> into that, by the way. We Thank enjoy you. competition. I'm not even uh, going to get myself lumped I, yeah. in. I'm <laughs> that. So. Thank you, though. So, so we, we enjoy competition. Every one of us here, we, we like competition. We like to stay active. You know, I don't think any of us, maybe you, you were a heck of an athlete in, in your day. Uh, but, <laughs> Back in the day. But, <laughs> but we're just digging here <laughs> in your day. Let me twist that you know, for it's you. A way, I'm never going to put on my running shoes and go for a six-mile run. Right. But that's how much we run when yeah. we go play basketball, six miles. So it's a way to stay competitive and active. I, I love that he chose racing. But he's the commissioner of his own leagues. Absolutely, I love that. That's and, congratulations. Unfortunately, Matt. I haven't found a way to win, <laughs> even when I set the rules. Okay, and, and let's be honest. Did you choose Rick just because he's tall? Yes. You don't oh, have to answer that. No. That's all right. Okay. I, I know. I know the answer to that is that, yes. That facial expression. I'm not a good right basketball there. player, but I am tall. Now he has a son that is an excellent basketball yes. player. Yes. But he, you should see me and me and Rick last week, and I'm. Teaching Rick these post-up moves. This guy's a he literally taller is. than me. He literally is. Rick, you have to face the basket before you throw the ball up to the basket. So. This is all true, Bob. Oh, my gosh. This is all we need true. to make that a show. It has been, by yes. the way. That, I mean, you were on the golf channel this year uh, with yeah, the Golf yeah. Guys Tour. Um, so, I mean, I think it is, it's well known. But there's also that question out there of what if you get injured doing something away from racing? Is that How do you balance that now? I would get injured doing something else. I, I just, I'm, I'm going to stay active and do stuff. And, you know, I just can't sit on the couch every Monday through Thursday or Friday uh, and do nothing. So um, there's, there's risk in everything we do. Uh, we all know that. I mean, 80% of the people like that are in the basketball league or golf league, they're in NASCAR in some way, shape, or form. A lot of them drivers. Um, you know, we manage our risk a little bit out there, but um, I think that uh, it's just what we do to – to stay competitive and he is extremely competitive i will vouch for that <laughs> one we've got plenty more here from the hall of fame with denny hamlin coming up we'll take you inside denny hamlin's fedex toyota and listen on those conversations he has with crew chief mike wheeler scan all denny hamlin is coming up next nascar america is brought to you by new mobile one annual protection proven protection for one full year Welcome back to NASCAR America from the Hall of Fame. Denny Hamlin out front, hungry for his first win in 2017. He's going to hold off Larson. Hamlin wins in 2017. My name is Michael Hicks. I'm a rear tire changer on the FedEx Toyota. You know, it was a good team effort today. You know, we're in a backup car fighting adversity. Backup car for the Denny drove his butt off. 
exciting to get back in victory lane with these guys. Thank you, team. Great job. Love you guys. Mike Hicks and the 11 team gave Denny Hamlin four tires on his final stop Sunday at New Hampshire. On the restart, Hamlin charged from fourth to the lead and never looked back. Of course, calling the shots on the 11 pit crew is Denny's crew chief, Mike Wheeler. Time now to go inside the 11 car and listen in with this special edition of Scan All, Denny Hamlin. in New England, the sports landscape is dominated by the Boston Red Sox and the Patriots. Today, it's NASCAR's turn to come front and center. All right, but got a good chance today. Let's make the most of it. Obviously, it's uh, sunny and warm today, so hopefully that's what's your style. All right, man, one more tug in your belt, fans, switches, tools, make sure everything's how you want to hear the fire off. Have a good day. Do what we do here. Good luck to you. Green flag in the air. Denny Hamlin gets a real good roll through the center of the corner, and he's right to the back bumper of Kyle Busch. How's your balance? Uh, sort of getting tight. Raise the track bar. And I'm sort of getting snappy loose off. Lower the track bar, and I was neutral. A caution out. Do you want to stay on the racetrack to get your stage points, or do you want to pit here and try to set yourself up for the second stage? This is a tough one. Stay out here. Hey, let's open. Pit. Pit, 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 pit. Follow, 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 follow. I didn't pit. I didn't know. I didn't know what to do there. They opened it super late, Jason. I told you as soon as they said it. We'll put this follow the follow the 18. I was trying to say that because we didn't really get a moment to chat about it. <laughs> but by the time I realized they were in three, four, or to make fuel windows, I was like, oh crap, there they are. You did the right thing there. Okay. Now we're watching Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick lean on each other. They're fighting for second. And a caution comes out with 39 laps to go. Should be a 35 lap shootout. So, what you got there, bud? Just a little bit tight. Poor Griffin's really good, but just tight center rolling. What do you think about Schubert's score here? How many cars on lead lap? There's 21 at the moment. Uh, whatever you think. We'll see what all these leaders wind up doing if they take four or two. Four tires, four tires. Right side is going on the jack. Kenseth just took two tires. Dude, I think the whole field got four. But Rick, here's the problem. What did everyone else take? Four. Now Matt Kenseth in his 20, I feel, is a sitting duck at this point. Green flag back in the air. Matt Kenseth out in front of Denny Hamlin, fighting for that top spot. Denny Hamlin moves him out of the way, and Hamlin goes by for the lead. 32 more right here. Can't do this on his left side. I just can't. impossible. And now, Kyle Larson in second. Way better. Here to win, man. Let's go. Larson chipping away every lap. Four, 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 smooth. Nice for the here. Don't overdrive. You're killing him. Hamlet. He's going to hold off Larson. Yes, sir, DH. That's what I'm talking about. Nice work, guys. Backup call for the win. Hold on, gentlemen. George is off this year and this weekend. Appreciate you. Love you guys. Celebrate. Thank you, team. Great job. You get down with your celebration. Remember, NBC will meet you at start-finish line on track. Temple. Temple. Proud of this whole FedEx office team. Backup car. Uh, put us behind the eight ball uh, on Friday, but uh, it's cool to win one like this. Well, that last picture is Denny holding lobster, and that was actually probably the scariest <laughs> thing the whole day, right? You don't like lobsters at one all. One of them, for sure. But obviously you got over it, uh, that trophy yeah, there I mean, in New Hampshire. I just, I don't know, if they're going to hand it to me, at least let it be dead. <laughs> I don't think it's still moving. <laughs> I, I want to ask you something. You, you, you said something, and we watched the closing laps of the race. Uh, you said something interesting to Dale and I on post-race. 
that you would rather be the guy that was being chased, not the guy having to chase, because you ran perfect laps, those laps, last eight or ten laps. Explain that to people. Yeah, I mean, I think it's easier sometimes to be the guy who's got to gain ground because you can push, push, push. You really essentially got nothing to lose. If you're the leader, you lose the lead, that's your fault. So, yeah. mm -hmm. um, it, it, you know, it was important for me. I knew when I cleared that the, the 20 car, I said I was going to run 10 of the hardest laps I could run. So I ran 10 really hard laps. Uh, we built up a, like a 2.6 second, 2 second lead, and the 42 then got clear. And then I said, all right, well, I, I did the math. I said, all right, it's 20 laps to go, 2.6. I can give up a tenth. I knew I could give up a tenth It amazes a tenth me you're doing math in the car while all this I is did. going on, I, too. The though. whole time I was thinking, all right, I can give up a tenth a lap. I, I can do that and be conservative and not miss yeah. my mark. You just can't give up a half a second a lap. That's when you are in big trouble. So I knew that I could run a pace that was comfortable enough to do that and not make a mistake. Danny, I was doing a radio show earlier today and talking and talking about how good it makes a driver feel when you win a race and you don't have the best car. And I said, heck, Denny didn't even have his best car. So, you know, to, to go out and get the job done, taking and making something from the adversity that you had on Friday, says a lot about your crew, but also for you as a driver to really communicate and dig down and do what you need to do. Yeah, I think without a doubt, we optimized the car that we had. Uh, the, you know, it for sure was not as good, even though it won. It was not as good as the car we had on Friday. Uh, you know, the cars that we had on were specifically built for those type of racetracks, uh, and the one we raced was not. So uh, we did the best we could. I mean, that was just uh, we optimized our day, took advantage of others' mistakes, and wound up winning. You, you, you say the car was not specifically built, but the one that you wrecked was specifically built. Was Matt's? Was mm -hmm. the uh, the other Gibbs cars were so you knew going in with that backup I, car I you were anybody. behind your teammates. Yeah, absolutely. Which they're hard enough to beat yeah, anyway. That's so, interesting. Um, you know, we just did the best we could uh, with what we had, but we did a good job. We knew it would be close, but not. Yeah, it was not going to be a hundred percent from from what we had. I, I do want to ask on Friday. Do you find yourself pushing it a little harder? I mean, you came off a of turn four, maybe the tires a little bit cold. Were you pushing it thinking, I got to find something here on this run? How do you get to that point where you push it just maybe a little bit too far? You know, the team asked me, said, you know, was it too loose? I says, no, I wasn't even up to speed yet. If yeah. you look, I wrecked on the straightaway. <laughs> it wasn't like I got loose in the corner. I just underestimated how the, the low grip in the tires, they were cold. Uh, and Loudon's probably one of the worst as far as you have oh, yeah. to get temperature in the yeah. car and the tires, uh, especially, you know, you always see you, you've got to run multiple laps there in qualifying to get the best lap. So it, uh, for me, it was just not paying attention, not, not realizing uh, the lack of grip that I was going to have for a few corners. Hey, Danny, you went this year um, kind of a surprise in, in January that Carl Edwards decided about veteran that knew how to win anywhere. But all of a sudden he steps out and next comes in a raw rookie who had never been in a cup car, Daniel Suarez. Done a great job, but uh, how much does he lean on you guys? And, and I'm sure that you're willing to help him in any way because that's only going to benefit you down the road, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Daniel's there for the long run. We know that. And, uh, you know, he's he's leaning on all of us. Uh, whenever a team is running particularly well at that particular racetrack, he's coming into the hauler, wanting to ask him questions. Uh, we ask a lot of questions during debriefs. So he's committed to being a good race car driver and doing everything he can uh, to get better. And, and we've seen a progression really throughout the entire year. Yeah.
All right, I mentioned earlier that you of the fans could be involved in the broadcast today and be brought, uh, part of our show. And we have a question that has come in. This one comes from Mary Lou Briggs. Uh, it says, Denny, you're just one of 25 drivers with at least 30 wins. Has it sunk in just how good you are? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. Um, but, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a huge accomplishment. We, you know, we've won at so many different types of racetracks, and that's something that uh, you definitely – it's something to be proud of. Um, but uh, there's still work to be done. I mean, we still uh, – you know, I, I said not too long ago, it's unfortunate I had to race in the Jimmy Johnson era, right? <laughs> yeah, because, yeah. I mean, how many championships yeah. and races could I – you know, would I really have won or, or yeah. you know, so – you know, to have those numbers in, in essentially the Jimmy Johnson era is pretty good. Yeah, pretty impressive. Well, we mentioned Daniel Suarez. He's actually going to be on the show next week. So from right here at the Hall of Fame, make sure to join us. We talked a little bit about his racing roots, but coming up, we'll go back to Denny's home state of Virginia and see where it all began. And even as a child, you might have seen a glimpse of it. Denny had his sights set high, and we're going to show you that letter that proves just how high those sights were set. Stage 18 of the Tour de France is on NBC SN. The final summit finish of the race is here as the Peloton finishes atop the notorious Isoard. Stage 18 of the Tour de France is live tomorrow morning at 7.30 Eastern with Tour Primetime at 8 p.m. Eastern. On tomorrow's edition of NASCAR America, we'll be joined by Bubba Wallace, who recently filled in for Eric Almirola in the 43 car and did a solid job driving for the King. That's 5 p.m. Eastern tomorrow on NBC SN. And there's Hall of Famer Dale Jarrett Spire upstairs from us in the Hall of Honor. Earlier today, DJ weighed in on Sirius XM Radio about listeners choosing Alex Bowman as their favorite to drive the 88 car next season. Rick Hendrick is a, a very loyal man, and if, if you do your job, uh, and Alex proved he can do that, then, then he will reward you. And I have to believe that that's kind of the thinking because they've kept things very quiet. It's like they, they have a plan set uh, for that <laughs> race car in particular. And, and so we'll, we'll see if that happens uh, for Alex Bowman and uh, see what moves forward from there. So uh, uh, I, I like the way the fans think. You can hear NASCAR on NBC personalities each Wednesday at 9 Eastern on the morning drive with Mike Bagley and Pete Pistone. Only on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio, that's Channel 90. Well, coming up, it's our drivers-only meeting. They apparently don't want me up there. As Denny reflects on his racing life, how it began, and which NASCAR legend inspired him the most, that conversation's next. The first and best show each day on NASCAR is NASCAR America. Weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern here on NBCSN. There you see Hall of Famer Bill Elliott's number 11 car. That driver is near and dear to our guest's heart. Hamlet's mom, Mary Lou, tweeted this photo of the photos hanging in Denny's room when he was growing up. And for more on Denny's childhood hero, let's send it over to Kyle, DJ, and Denny, who are standing next to Bill Elliott's famous number 11 on Glory Road. We are. We're standing here next to Bill Elliott's car. Now, I, I have to say, for me, the 11 car was this man's father. Okay, so that's what it came. Yep. The 11 has won more races, uh, the winningest number in stock car racing. It was your number before, but this guy was your hero, right? Yep. Uh, really, this this is 1992, I believe. I, I 
could be wrong, but about 1992, this is when he drove for Junior, and this is when I really started committing back to being, I wanted to be a race car driver, right? So uh, I, this is this is my idol here. This is a, I can't help but, you know, root against Chase when I'm racing against him, <laughs> even though I'm a fan of his dad's, you know? That's tough. Denny, you talk about growing up and getting started, and, you know, that's the tough part of this business, because I'm sure you get asked the questions as we have all our life. How do you, you know, want to get a child started in, in driving cars? Somebody has to have some money, but, yeah. but this was a family operation that you did and started racing uh, uh, when you got into the late models? Yeah, definitely. It all started with family, and my family had regular jobs. My mom worked at AAA, my dad worked at Great Dane Trailers. So they had regular jobs, and uh, you know we did the best we could with some help that we got from uh, outsiders. But for the most part, it was just week to week. We hoped to make enough money that weekend to keep going. And, and I knew that. Uh, I think a lot of my driving style, you know, the conservative aggressive comes from having to fix my own cars you know or knowing that if i got in a wreck i wasn't gonna be able to race the next week so uh, i think that a lot of that came uh, has just bled through it throughout my career and um you know luckily we had the right brakes at the right time that moved this up when my parents wallet could no longer afford it yeah you know we've we've been fortunate to do some racing roots programs at nbc with kevin harvick and with kyle larson and stuff and their families didn't have a lot of money um, and they talk about sacrifice. They talk about the sacrifice that their parents made, that their families made. How tough was it on your family to continue through that period of time until you did catch your first break or second break? Uh, we were, I'd say if we, I didn't make it, I pro- we probably would have lost our house. I mean, we, we second mortgaged our house, third mortgaged our house. We you know, took every credit card out of the mail and, and maxed it out. I mean, we did everything we could to just keep going. And, and I never encourage anyone to take the route that I took because it was a tough <laughs> Yeah. route that you know most times will not pay off yeah. uh, but it worked out well for us and uh, it just it, it worked out and it just it was amazing the breaks that I got uh, when I got them it was just so timely you know almost like it was I was meant to be here yeah yeah so tell uh, our fans maybe some aren't aware that you know it was Joe Gibbs racing that that came they saw you uh, how did all of that uh, transpire and, and you end up there and, and still there today yeah, I mean, I was doing the best I could in the late model series uh, on, on a shoestring budget like I was talking about, but uh, there was a car owner that came in, uh, Jim Dean, uh, and he uh, asked me to, I actually met him and he said, hey, you know, looking forward to racing with you next week. I said, I, I, we can't afford to go the next week. It was officially going to be my last race that I was ever going to run. And uh, he overheard that conversation, and he approached me and said, hey, I'd like to pay for your way to go to the next race because if you don't know, I, I, I field these two cars, and if we go out there, we win next week, and you're not there, we didn't beat the best. So I want to pay for you to go. Uh, him and his driver had a falling out that Monday. I hmm. contacted him on Tuesday with the price that I needed. He said, how about you just hop in my car and, and go? And uh, we I never forget, it was at Myrtle Beach. We sat on the pole, led all the laps until the final 20. Uh, and uh, finished second, but in, neither, needless to say, he offered me that car to, to drive it the following year. We won 25 out of 35 races wow, we were wow. in. Joe Gibbs Racing took notice, and they signed me. To get in a Gibbs car at this level, to set in and, and strap in for the first time, take us back to that moment. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, a lot of moments that, that all played out, but, you know, really I made the bo- mess, most of each opportunity. Yeah. You know, my very first truck race, uh, I, I got 
finishing the top 10 at IRP. My very first Xfinity race was at Darlington. And I thought that they were just throwing me the wolves, <laughs> you know, taking me to Darlington for the first time. But uh, I remember we had no team owner points or anything. Uh, qualifying rained out. We had to start uh, deep in the pack. Uh, but we finished eighth. And, and from that point on, I think that you know, I believe the conversation with Joe was to the sponsors, hey, if he goes out there and finishes well, will you agree to sign him for next year? And they said yes. And we did top 10 and uh and and needs to say it was history and so the next year i'm going in the xfinity series i run three quarters of the year and i log on to nascar.com is like you know fedex is making a change and they're denny hamlin and jj ailey is gonna drive the number 11 fedex car i'm like well that's interesting i sure haven't got a phone call <laughs> so a few minutes later jd calls me up says hey we're gonna let you run seven minute uh seven uh races jj run seven and uh you know, good luck to both of y'all, and yep. it'll probably be a deciding factor on yeah. who runs, runs next year. Yeah, I think it was that that race, that Xfinity race that you ran at, at Darlington, because we all know, and you know now how tough it is. I'm not sure yeah. you knew then just how tough it was, but I would have to say that uh, your, your short track experience certainly came into play there, because a lot of drivers try to go there. First thing you do is overdrive the racetrack, mm -hmm. yeah. and then you're in a lot of trouble, but sounds like that your background kind of helped you with that eighth place finish. Absolutely, and it was very key that I, I got to go to a test there actually and Tony Stewart was there testing and to watch him and the way he drove around that racetrack uh, taught me a lot and so it was very beneficial for me to have that you know veteran figure there to kind of watch after you you know you've been very fortunate um, in your career as you say you caught a break here and there but you've been very fortunate to have great teammates with a Tony Stewart with a Kyle Busch a Matt Kenseth a, a, a Carl Edwards what have each one of those brought to Denny Hamlin some each one of them is something different uh, you know Kyle's ability to get a speed out of a car for a couple laps you know that it's made me faster it's made me better qualifying things like that uh, Matt's ability to, to be good just about everywhere um, it's been incredible I use his data so much uh, on weekends that we struggle um, Tony Stewart I mean I think my biggest you know, the thing that I learned from him is patience. I'll never forget. My I never rookie. thought I would hear Tony Stewart and patience I, I in the same thing. I, I, in the same sense. I'll I just never say forget that. my rookie season. <laughs> it's, you know, me and J.J. Yaley are out there, and it's probably lap 10. We're side by side, and we're just going back and forth. We're at Chicago, and he grabs us after the race. He says, what are you guys doing? Like, it's lap 10 of a 400-mile race, and you guys are out there nearly wrecking each other on lap 10. And just learning from Tony was just a, a huge benefit. Yeah. And really, you know, you guys know Eddie Jarvis. He was yeah, a yeah. big instrumental figure for mine as well that, uh, you know, it, it, it really helped my learning curve. Yeah, you, you told us uh, in one of the other segments, uh, as Rick asked you about the 30 wins, that you weren't that impressed, didn't seem to be that impressed. I know it's it's impressive to me, though, mainly because you've won at so many different types of tracks. Tell, tell our viewers how a short track racer from Virginia becomes a pretty good road racer. Yeah. yeah. You know, to me, it's, it's, it's so similar. You know, there's heavy braking, there's tight corners. It's just you're going the other way, you know. Uh, I, I've always liked road racing. Um, my stats probably won't say that I always liked road racing. I was really good early in my career, and then I just went through a 
terrible string for about five or six years where we had awful finishes. But then it just seems like, you know, two years ago we've hit on something uh, with our setups that I really, really like, uh, and it's it's made us dramatically better. But I, I love road, uh, road racing. Uh, that doesn't mean I want, like, ten tracks in the head, <laughs> uh, on our schedule, but it's fun. It's a good change of pace, and, um, yeah. you know, it, it's not too far from the roots where I came from. Yeah, and, and so we go short track to road course, but I think – the first time you sat in a speedway car, it was like, oh, my God, he's been doing this his yeah. whole life. <laughs> so you could tell you watched Bill Elliott growing yes. up. But how was that transition? I mean, you just adapted to that. You know, it, my dad always said that true racers can run, drive any kind of car. It's just a different machine. It's yeah. still racing. It's racing no matter whether you're racing a bicycle or you're racing. A, and Jimmy Johnson came from off-road trucks it's just it's all racing so if you're able to adapt to car to car it's it's all the same and so uh the the speedway thing was definitely different i had it took a while to really truly learn that but uh yeah it's it's just i've been able to adapt and that's made the difference when you talk about the the different teammates and things and you sit down in your meetings do you do you have to when you listen to things that kyle does and you know the capabilities he has as a driver and things that matt does do you do you lean a little more towards the matt side if you're looking at something just knowing that maybe your styles are a little more similar um, yeah, I mean, there's, I, I think that I've kind of, I'm a hybrid. I'm in between those guys. Yeah. I think that they, I can mimic both of their driving styles. Um, you know, one thing that's actually pretty interesting I started doing is I started creating a notebook, really a black book of each racetrack and then techniques that I use at every, every one of those racetracks that, you know, when I'm done racing, I'll paint it to one of these young rookies yeah. and say, you know, hey, hopefully it'll curve their uh, a learning curve a little bit and, and help them out. Uh, you know, it, it, it amazes me. So you, you're like a baseball pitcher. You have a book on each racetrack now that, that you go back to. How much has that changed since the beginning? I mean, we hear so many guys talk about simulation, watching races on TV, focused on watching the technique of other drivers and stuff. How has that changed? It has changed. You know, I think that that the reason we have so much parity in our sport now and there's so many teams and drivers that can win is because of data sharing. Ultimately, when they started sharing data, I lost all my advantage at all the short tracks. <laughs> I mean, I was just doing things differently than anyone else. And no matter how much I try to explain to them, until they saw it on paper, uh, they couldn't mimic it. And, and now, you know, all my teammates drive <laughs> similar to what, what I do on the short track. So uh, it, it's just the advantage is are not like they used to be. You, you just don't have that advantage. But the main thing I write in my black book is the intangibles, the things that you can't see on data and the things that, uh, you, that uh, you can learn and, and be better at uh, as a race car driver. Well, we're going to get you to share some data with us on, what, how, on Rick's golf game, but right now yeah. we're going to let Rick talk about it. <laughs> well, my golf game is uh, struggling a little bit. Coming up, Dale Jarrett began a tradition where a driver gets up close and personal with a brick after winning at Indy. Up next, Denny will explain why he wants to continue that tradition on Sunday. NASCAR America is brought to you by new Mobile One Annual Protection, proven protection for one full year. This weekend, NASCAR heads to the story of Indianapolis Motor Speedway. On Saturday, the Xfinity Series takes to the track at 3.30 Eastern on NBCSN. Then Sunday, Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series from the Brickyard at 2.30 Eastern on NBC. 
And welcome back to the Hall of Fame. We're actually on Glory Road right now here in the Great Hall. And behind us, we have Bill Elliott's uh, beautiful number 11, which I know Denny was inspired by uh, Bill Elliott growing up. What about the big racetrack we're going to now this weekend? Uh, when you go to Indianapolis, is it daunting or is it a challenge that you drive for? Uh, it's a challenge. I mean, it's a hard racetrack to win at. I mean, uh, it's it's been a challenge for me for the 12 years that I've given it a try. I've given it an honest try, and I still haven't <laughs> won it there yet. But it's to me, the moment for me is when I go out there on the racetrack for the very first time. You're just going down the back straightaway, and you can't help but just <laughs> – <laughs> Look around at your yeah. surroundings. I mean, it's it's just a historic place, and um, it's it's a big event that we all want to win. Yeah, I know that you your team is uh, preparing better cars for you, getting things better. And I know it looks like Toyota's brought a little bit more under the hood, which is always nice. But you told us in the post race, even after winning the other day, that hey, we still have plenty of work to do before Chicago rolls around. What areas are you kind of looking at specifically that might make your team better and get championship ready? Well, I think we've for sure closed the gap. I think uh, over the last two months, I thought that there was probably eight or nine cars that we consistently needed to we needed to beat or we couldn't beat week in, week out. I think it's really honestly two cars now that uh, we consistently don't have the speed as those two. Uh, so we've closed the gap, and I think that uh, it's it's actually closed to those guys as well. Uh, but, you know, I think it's getting our setups better. I mean, ultimately, we know the 78's got, you know, very similar equipment to, to what we have, uh, and he's dominating races and winning races with it. So, I think it's finding what us drivers need to, to feel to, to be able to compete at that level. I'm going to shift way off of, of the grid here with this next one. You know, if we go back to uh, to last year, it's the driver lineup at Gibbs is, you know, Carl and Matt and you and Kyle. Then we have the shakeup over the winter and we throw a rookie in. We're moving forward in the next year. We throw another rookie in. So the whole complexion of what yeah. – JGR racing is has shifted over a 24 month period. Where do you see that going? Um, I, I'm not sure where I see it really going. Um, I, I, I liked the dynamic we had two years ago, and I'm very likely to like the dynamic we have next year. And I mean, if you look around in the room of the people that are in the debris on Tuesday, it's like you just take a snapshot of last year and then what will be next year. And it's, it's a total different dynamic. Yeah. And, and so um, I, I think that uh, the, the young rookies will be leaning on me, Kyle, and Martin quite a bit. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 listen, I love Matt Kenseth. Is he, if he ever needs a reference, any car owner, please give me a call. I hate to race against him. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, it's just uh, it's, it's part of our sport that's really, yeah. really tough. You know, I think that if, if, if our sport was – in a place where the car owners could put in whoever they wanted, money didn't matter. It was just about talent. Yeah, Matt Kenseth would for sure be in a premier for sure. ride. For yeah. sure. Uh, but it's just not the world that we live in at the moment. You know, hopefully one day it gets back there. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember, you know, JGR. They took a huge risk in putting me in the car, but it was just off of you know what they thought talent could do. Uh, but it's just a different world now. And Matt Kenseth has had a great career, and he's still a, a race winner and a yeah. champion in my eyes. Um, so, you know, I'm 50-50 on whether I want him to come back or not because I know he's going to be tough <laughs> yeah. to beat. 
Hey, Danny, I, I know that race drivers don't like to talk about other drivers a whole lot, and we've asked you a lot about other <laughs> drivers, but I want to fast forward to Homestead and the, the people that you think you might would be racing against. And right now, we're probably, I don't think the whole racing community's talking a lot about the seven-time champion Jimmy Johnson. We should expect him to be there, shouldn't we? Uh, is this... Uh, 2012, 2013. <laughs> it's the same story every yeah. summer, right? It's yeah. like, uh, it's, we're not really talking about them. And then, you know, it, things work out in the end. You know, last year, I, I think that, you know, they were very fortunate, but they got to the Final Four and they put themselves in position to win that championship. I remember racing around Jimmy in eighth or ninth most of the day, and mm -hmm. all three of his competitors were up front and they all crashed each other. And, you know, he won a championship. It's just, uh, it's crazy how they're able to optimize their day and their yeah. year. And even though you may be overlooking them, it's impossible to do it. He's still the guy that you have to beat year in, year out. They find a way to win. Uh, him and Chad's, you know, relationship, it's just it's hard to duplicate and beat. All right, so DJ brought it up, so I want to take it a step further. A couple years ago, Michael Jordan was at Homestead cheering for you. Uh, what's that relationship been like? I mean, how did you meet? Air Jordan, and I know that you're a basketball <laughs> fan and everything, yeah. but uh, how did that grow into him coming to cheer you on at races? Yeah, it was actually, you know, really started at a Hornets game. Uh, I'd, I'd been going to a few Hornets games here and there, and he actually stopped me as I was walking. I was going to go. Uh, it was halftime, and he was in his seats right there by the bench. He stopped me and was like, hey, you know, good job previous week, and I forget what happened or wherever, but he asked a question about, Hey, uh, so what happened when y'all did this or that? And I'm like, well, like what? You watch racing and you know, watch NASCAR racing? He's like, yeah. He's like, you know, my dad actually took me to races all the time when I was a kid. And so I've been a race fan ever since. And so I actually got a text from him last week. Uh, and, you know, he was, you know, he's like, man, for those last 10 laps, I was white knuckled and I was so nervous. I'm like, that's just weird to me that, yeah. you know, the, cool, though. probably yeah. one of the greatest athletes that's ever lived, and especially in basketball, is a huge NASCAR fan. He loves it. And he says, listen, get back to that final four and I will be there again in Miami to, to root for you uh, in person. So that's cool. Nice. He's yeah. yeah. Very cool. It is well, cool. when you have the greatest of all time in basketball cheering you on, that's got to be some inspiration. All right, we've done enough of the asking of the questions. It's time for you, the fans. We have some of your questions that we're going to be firing at Denny when we come back to the Hall of Fame. I don't like seafood, don't like lobsters. I have no other phobias, really. I don't know what it is about looking a lobster in the face. I don't even like to sit at the dinner table with people that eat lobster. And then when you put like a 44-pound one in my hands, I'm, I'm freaked out. Put them back. <laughs> All right. Well, Denny, we've got a few questions for you. One of those is actually uh, what we just saw there. Uh, Denny, this question comes from Zane Taylor. He said, are you scared of shrimp? And other seafood or just lobster? Just lobsters. The lobster has a face. It has eyeballs. Like, why, <laughs> like, why, do they, why do they have to put the lobster on your plate and his freaking eyeballs yeah, are right true. there? That's true. That's so you're fine with other seafood, just yeah. you don't like yep. lobster. I don't like the smell of other seafood, but I, yeah, I, trust right. me, when my friends are eating at a seafood restaurant, I'm out. What was your <laughs> first street car? Was it a manual or automatic transmission? Manual. Ranger pickup. A Ranger oh, really? pickup. Yeah. yeah. All right. And did you get any tickets? I added that one, by the way. Uh, did you ever get a ticket when uh, you were I'm a sure kid? I'm sure I did, yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> I'm sure. sure you did. I got too. stopped leaving New Hampshire. <laughs> no joke. No <laughs> joke. <laughs> I saw you get pulled over. Yeah, by believe. the way, I, I did. Yeah. I did. Are right, you here's fan a, questions? Here's actually a basketball question. Oh, yes. Um, are you better going off the dribble to the rim or doing a Jordan move and rocking them back to shoot a jumper? Now, you do a pretty good – you do a mean jump back. I mean, I, you got a good hmm. jump shot. Uh, probably jumper, yeah. I, I'm working on my I, – I know it sounds silly, but I'm, I get basketball lessons to try to work on my dribble. So. Yeah, I, which I don't think I, that's I, not silly at all. Once I do no, that, I'll By the way, way can I – can I come over for those lessons? <laughs> it's simple. Look at the basket before you throw the ball yeah. up to it. I really have to work throw on that. Throw it up. Oh, that was like, he's not yeah. even saying you shoot. He's just saying you throw it up there. I try to get it close to the rim because I know that if it's close to the rim, then I can jump back up there and yeah, maybe yeah, put yeah, it back yeah. in. Yeah. There's a plan to it. There right. is sort of a plan. All right, hold on. Hold on. I want to bring this back to this place. Okay. <laughs> 30 wins. We've talked about it. You're coming off a big win. We're going to Indianapolis. A lot of stuff. Daytona 500, you said was the top. When you're inducted into this Hall of Fame and your car is sitting here on Glory Road, what do you want fans to say about Denny Hamlin? Uh, uh, if, you mean? No, it's, it's a win. win. It's yeah. a win. Um, it's a win, dude. You know, I, there's so many guys that I looked up to um, growing up, you know, that were instrumental. A lot of them are short track guys that people have never heard of, yeah. right? I mean... Uh, the Eddie Johnsons, the Wayne Pattersons, the Roy Hendricks of, of the world. Um, but I, I don't know. It's just I, I think that they were instrumental in getting me here. I, I, I modeled myself after them. Bill Elliott, you know, wasn't always the flashiest guy. You never, you know, Matt Kenza, never really the flashiest guy, but he got the job done. And, yeah. and I feel like I'm similar to those guys. And, and you know, I, I never want – I never want to – you know, show everyone what I did, but I at least want them to know what I did. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's the biggest thing is just you have a good legacy, and hopefully I have the respect of my competitors. And I think that that's something that, you know, someone like Mark Martin, I'm so envious of him because he was the guy that everyone respected. Yeah. yeah. Well, right. there's no if. It's going to be yeah, a win. It's a win, <laughs> it's a win dude. Really want to thank Denny Hamlin for being here. Thank the Hall of Fame for allowing us to be here in the Great Hall and on Glory Road once again. Uh, and again, Make sure next week it will be Daniel Suarez that will join in the Hall of Fame here in Uptown Charlotte. Thanks again for watching us here on NASCAR America. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.